welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. It's Monday, which means that we are back with another episode because we are hashtag consistent. It's week three of PB Care's The Children of the Lamp, and we're reading The Cobra King of Kathmandu. I picked up this series, and I've been loving reading them again. I'm remembering more than I thought. Like, I did generally know all the things that were going to happen in this book, but I really enjoyed it anyway. Asia's our newcomer. Did you expect them to go to Nepal, this book? These kids are just global jet setters. No, I just feel like constantly they're traveling all around the world, and I never know where they're going to go next. But I'll go ahead and give us a quick plot summary of the book. So a bunch of bad things start happening. Dibbick's friend gets murdered, which, if we don't remember, Dibbick was another djinn that John and Philippa met that was kind of bad, but also good. And some people break into the Gaunt household in NYC to try to steal the twins' wisdom teeth, and Mr. Rakshashas and Nimrod go missing on a trip to investigate the resurrection of a scientist snake cult. The twins and Dibbick pick up Gronin and decide to head to Kathmandu to investigate these strange occurrences and in the hopes of finding Nimrod. They have to sneak into an ashram and find out that it is the cover story for the snake cult that has their friends held captive. The leader of the cult is obsessed with Jin and tries to transfuse enough Jin blood to turn himself into a Jin, but he actually ends up catching himself on fire because of this. Meanwhile, Layla, John and Philippa's mom, has become the blue djinn and trapped the children in New York City so that they can't go after her to save her from having to be the blue djinn. And all of these events end up connecting to Dybbuk and his lost sister, Faustina, and Iblis too, which we'll get into more at the end of the episode since that's really more of a setup for the next book. And that's pretty much it for the summary. So just giving my impression as always i'm still enjoying these books i think the main thing i like about them is the comedy i feel like there's some like good one-liners and like just comedic moments in the books but it is just like a lot like they're traveling a lot and it's just a lot of adventure and i'll continue to compare it to nicholas lamel it feels like that where like we're constantly on the move constantly on the run constantly doing things so it does feel like a little overwhelming of a book, I think as an adult, because I'm just like, I don't know, I I feel like as a child you'd enjoy this more of like, oh, on an adventure, whereas I'm like, mm, I'm good, I don't really think I want any more adventure in my life, like I just want to chill, but um, overall I'm enjoying it, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of adventure, and I agree that that's probably more attractive to a younger audience. My most impression was that it was gross, especially the guru and snakes. And I'm more than anything, it just got me excited for the next book because I want to know how they're going to solve the next conundrum. And I can't wait for Faustina because if I remember correctly, she's really cool. So I'm just excited for her to be in the book. So diving in, Buck is using his powers for cheating and theft, which is a red flag, obviously. Yes, which Buck is Dybbuk because he hates his name, just as a reminder. And if we needed any proof of, you know, leading to more bad things, 
Dybbuk's friend and his friend's dad end up getting murdered after Dybbuk stole this thing from a museum. Like, it was just, like, a really sharp turn of events. Again, like, characters being murdered, like, obviously these weren't main characters, but, like, Buck talks about this being his best friend, and, like, the friend's dad, like, gets him to steal something from the museum, and then, like, days later, they're both murdered. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's bad for Dybbuk. I mostly meant that it's bad for Dybbuk to use his powers so casually and pointlessly, but you bring up a good point that it it also leads to them becoming targets because they pull off this, like, unbelievable heist, which obviously is a red, catches people's attention, and then they get targeted and murdered. But before we get there, let's go check in on the twins in New York. Sure. So they're just home, and then two humans actually break into their home after... And they're after the kids' wisdom teeth. But Layla, who has now, like, gone back to using her gin power, turns them both into wine. And Layla, she says, she tells the kids that she gave him the wine, her husband the wine, to help his hurt male pride. And later on, she's like, a man should always have the right to defend his house. I'm like, "Mm, well, if you have superpowers, I don't know. Like, I would take the superpower protection, but... I thought it was really funny that she was like, we have to hurt his, we have to help his hurt male pride. Like, I think, honestly, she should have made more pets for them, but whatever. I thought that was pretty funny. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I think it was funny, but yeah, the turning into wine, you know, gets you thinking of like, especially because he drank, like they drank some of the wine. Like, does that mean now like they can never turn that person back? Because like they essentially ate part of him. Like, it's not kind of gross. Like. It is kind of gross. So, yeah, I think another pet would have been better, because at least then they'd still be alive. But then a little bit later on, we get even more crazy world building, because Layla swallows a medallion left behind by one of the intruders, and she tells the twins about how Nimrod will actually cough it up within the hour, because apparently closely related amateur djinn can send stuff through their mouths. So, I don't know, I just thought that was really weird, and then not it being called ginternal mail, because they always have to put, like, gin on top of something... I don't know. I was just dead by that. Like, absolutely ridiculous. I liked it. I think it's cute. I mean, it's gross, obviously. But I thought it was really clever. And I think it's... I don't think I would ever describe swallowing something and then having someone choke it up an hour later as cute. But, you know, to each their own. I I think that it's convenient because, like, she says how it's a lot faster than having to, like, ship something, especially since he lives in London. Like, they're literally an ocean away. Like, they live in other different countries so i understand the convenience of it but definitely not cute well especially when like nimrod goes on his little thing of like all the things he sent like that's gross like can you imagine swallowing solid things ew like well i'm sure that it's like designed so that you don't feel like it's like uncomfortable i i don't think so i think it's uncomfortable and like especially even worse not even the swallowing, but, like, having some imaginary object that you have no idea what it is just coming out of your mouth. Like, that makes me want to puke right now. <laughs> well. Like, imagine this feeling of something's appeared up in your esophagus and you have no idea what's going to come out. Yeah. Well, like I said, they normally would let each other know. So, I mean, I definitely think it's going to happen between John and Philippa. I don't know if it's in the next book, but it is going to happen for them, obviously. 
Ew. Honestly, gross. I don't know. That's gross. Well, the medallion leads Nimrod and Mr. Rakshasas to go off to investigate this snake cult. And John and Philippa have to go save Dybbuk. And so in order to do this, they go looking for a friend of theirs who's choosing to live as a homeless person. Again, it's sort of like gin world building. We don't have to get into it. But they decide to go down to the AC subway station for Chambers Street because they're like, that tunnel always has a lot of unhoused people in it. And I was like, well, you know, 15 years later, still true. That subway station always has people in it. Well, all I could think about is how did they take the A to Chambers from the Upper East Side? Because the A runs along the Upper West Side. So I was like, did the, did the subway system change? Unlikely. So she just lied about this. They just lied about it. Or they just changed it to 42nd Street. But that's not what they said. They said, we're going to take the A down Chambers Street from their East 77th Street apartment. Also, if they were changing it 42nd Street, they would have had to take, like, three trains. Like, they would have had to take, like, the 456 or something and then take, like, the 7 or the shuttle service across to get Times Square. And then, like, that's a lot of trains to not have mentioned. Yeah. Also, they definitely, I mean, this is getting a little nerdy, but, like, to get down to Chambers Street... If you're trying to specifically end up in the AC station, that's kind of hard from where they are. Because also you have to think that there was no Q train when they were there. Because if I just wanted to get to Chamber Street from where they live now, I would just take the Q. And it would take me straight to Chamber Street, but it wouldn't be in the AC tunnel. But to get to where they are, if they were and in the AC... And they specifically said, said the, the A. But that means... They said the A. They said I the think. A, but the A doesn't even run on the Upper West Side because it skips the Upper West Side. So they I'm just saying it was straight lies. Like I think they didn't think real New Yorkers were gonna read this, but we're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's because the author is British. I was like, this is incorrect. <laughs> they were just like, oh, that's a train. Oh, this apparently this has um this will work for this scene. Just go with it. Yeah. Well, fact checked right there. They would have at least had to take a couple trains and I don't know. I also feel like you could have found homeless people anywhere in New York. You didn't have to go all the way down to Chambers Street. <laughs> but anyway. So, Afriel the Angel, because of course, gives them each an elsewhere, which is basically like a body double, soulless kind of like thing. And you're just going to go like pose as them. So they can go on an adventure and their parents won't know because these like body doubles are just kind of like living their life for them for an eon which is like basically 11 days and because it's a million seconds or whatever the number of times they count the amount of times that john says the 11.07474 i was was like i don't think we need to i don't think we need to hear it every single time when nimrod was like i know how long an eon is i was like finally someone shut him up i i did laugh at that part again the, the comedy is honestly what sells the books for me yeah, so, but again, theme of this story, of this world, is they're just going to go off upstate in the dark to a place they don't know to go save Dybbuk. And I was like, this is a very, very sketchy and unsafe plan. Yeah, I mean, again, this is where I'm saying of, you know, I don't want to sound like an old grandma, but I'm just like, 
Yeah, if I was presented with some adventure to save someone, I think I would pass. Like, I don't really think I'm interested. But, like, I feel like as a kid, you know, you want to be a superhero. And I'm like, I mean, I would take some magical powers, but I don't know if I'd want to go on adventures. I just want to have them. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the plot really starts to pick up because they get grown in and piece together a bunch of info, and this is when they realize that Nimrod and Mr. Rakshashas must be somewhere in the Indian subcontinent, and they head off, bringing Dibbik, bring, oh my gosh, bringing Dibbik with them. And I don't think we need to go into, like, all this thing, but basically they're piecing stuff together with, like, the information that Dibbik found in his friend's stolen art thing, and information they find about snake cults, in Mr. Rakshas' library. So they head to Kathmandu because the original snake cult was led by a talisman that was called the Cobra King of Kathmandu, and that was actually made with Mr. Rakshas's wisdom teeth, which means that he was being controlled by the previous, like, leader of this cult, which is also explains why Nimrod and him, like, went off really quickly because he's like, if someone is l- going to find this talisman, they can control me. So that explains where Nimrod and Mr. Rakshashas went, but the twins don't know all that yet, but they just know that they, they're going to head off to Kathmandu, which, again, is the capital of Nepal. Meanwhile, Aisha, the blue jinn of Babylon, has died, and so Layla has gone off to become the blue jinn. Like, the kids, are the, el- the kids in New York are the elsewhere, so the actual twins don't know, and Layla just left. And, like, this part I did forget. Because I had remembered that she was going to offer to become the Blue Jinn. Like, I remembered that she was going to take Philippa's spot. But I didn't remember that she actually goes through with it. Like, she actually goes to Babylon. And it even says, like, that later on, like, when they try to, they consider sending something through Jinternal Mail back to her through Nimrod. They're like, if she'd received it at that point, the narrator wrote that if she'd received it at that point, it wouldn't have mattered. Her heart was already hardened enough that she wouldn't have cared. Like, I, so awful. It's so awful. So then they're going to go sneak into this ashram, which is in the pink fort that was related to Dybbuk's friend's murder. And as we said, it's really complicated, honestly. There's just like a lot going on. And as we're reviewing it, it just feels like so much more. But they end up meeting another djinn who gives Gronin three wishes, only for him to waste them in literally five minutes. So that was kind of just there for, I guess, comedic relief. I guess. I mean, it feels like it's a commentary by the author of people, like, poking... Like, he's poking fun at people using the word wish, like, incorrectly. Like, we say it all the time, but we don't actually mean it. I think. I don't really know. But... Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. Like, it just, like, or or that people, like, say words they don't necessarily mean. And also, I think more than anything, it's, like, that people are careless about that sort of stuff. Yeah, I would say it's more so the idea of, because I I think that it's just the idea of it's a part of our natural speech. So, obviously, if you were actually given three wishes, it would be probably pretty easy for you to accidentally waste them because that is just part of something that you say in your everyday conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I don't see how, like, that could be commentary, like, in real life, because obviously there aren't gin, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, like, oh, I wish this was that way or something. Yeah. And I think maybe it's also to, like, to show that 
because they they always are talking about how like there's a danger to three wishes like you don't always know how they're going to work out and we obviously saw that with like finley in the last book but yeah i think it's just any chance the author gets to like show how people could be stupid with their wishes is i think he's taking any chance he can get and then this is the part that will get the book canceled so just saying so they're in Kathmandu, which is obviously part of the indian subcontinent i mean i guess but like nepal is north of the peninsula aspect of india so but whatever i guess we consider part of the subcontinent and they all, using Jin power, transform themselves into Indians. So they give themselves darker skin, darker features, darker hair, and the ability to speak Hindi to blend in. So, like, they basically do brown face, magical brown face. I don't know. I didn't have an issue with this. Or, like, I didn't see it in that sense of, like, it wasn't like, what series did we read that they, like, literally painted themselves black? Uh, was that in Scumble and stuff, or? I don't know. It was no. in one of my books, I think. Was it dealing with dragons? No. No? What did we read It wasn't that? in Car. I don't think it was in City of Ember. In Car. Um. Let me look. Because we, like, not that recently, obviously, but we did talk about it. Narnia. It was Narnia. It was Narnia, where... Well, we know how I feel about those books, so... I mean, it's kind of the same thing. In Narnia, they made themselves, like I said, they made themselves brown to be Arab. But Narnia, they physically painted themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they like... But even then, wasn't it, like... I don't remember what I said in that episode, but... Did they, like, paint themselves, like, to be, like, dark people? Or was it to, like, blend into... They painted themselves... To look like the Kalormans were basically Arabs, because they were turbans, and the Kalorman had inter- had entered Narnia and they were taking over, and so the main characters then painted themselves with like an like a wood oil to like make themselves look like Kalormans so they could like sneak into their fort. Which I I mean, correct me. I feel like I said like I was like I understand like yes, obviously it's problematic now, but like their intention wasn't wrong. But for this though, I don't like I feel like this is different though because they didn't like do brown face. They physically transform themselves into another race to blend in. I guess I mean I don't I just because I'm white I don't want to presume that it's I don't want to presume that it wouldn't be offensive to someone because I'm white, but. I mean, I didn't, when I was a child, when I read this for the first time, I definitely didn't, like, have the lexicon to be like, that was (laughs) racist of them. That must not be right. But, But, yeah, I mean, also because I feel like the only part that, like, really highlighted this was that when Gronin says, because, again, Gronin eats baby food whenever they're traveling because he has a very weak stomach, as or something, as he describes it. But he says, like, transforming into an Indian, it, like, made it so, like, him, he was able to eat, like, the cuisine because his stomach, like, I guess, was used to it. Like, the stomach I mean, of the that's Indian is not used to Indian food. biologically incorrect. It's like, you know, people who grow up, like, eating food in the United States cannot often go to other cult cuisines because we just don't have the same enzyme. It's the same way, like, if you're a vegetarian, you can't just start eating meat all of a sudden. Like, your stomach 
acids are they change based on what you have been ingesting. So, like, I mean, I don't think he was going for that level of nuance, but, like, it was not written about I was going to the idea the of, like, they turn themselves, like, I, well, also it was, like, unclear to me, like, did they just, like, make themselves physically, like, it was still their bodies, they just changed the skin color and, like, slightly altered the features, or, like, did they become, like, completely different people? I don't know. I, I always kind of read it, and this time too, as like kind of like they changed like their skin color and their hair color, but and then they go by these other names. It's kind of vague in the book. It's just like they became Indian, which would kind of make sense because when like Nimrod, like when they find Nimrod, they're like, "You guys remind me of like my twins." Like so, they're like almost recognizable. Which like maybe that's could be it. Like attached to, like, their mannerisms or something, as opposed to, like, actual facial features. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. It's definitely interesting. I do think, though, like, if they made this into, like, a movie or they TV would show, do I don't think that they would be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to do I that. I mean... I don't think that would be if acceptable. If you have feelings about it, listeners, like, let us know. I mean, we obviously want to respect sensitivity, but I... Again, I, I didn't feel like... Again, this is me speaking as a white person. In the grand scheme of racism in the world, this is, like, high on the list, personally. But... What, you said this is high on the list? No, I said I don't think this is high on the list. <laughs> I was like, this is it. This is the epitome of racism. <laughs> the children of the lampposts. <laughs> I was like, I think redlining is probably going to be a little higher. Like, police brutality is going to be a little higher than the children of the lamp. You know, going, changing their race. But, yeah, no, I, I get that. Because, yeah, it's kind of like, I think it's easy to, like, let things slide when it's in book form. Because, I mean, to be honest, I think I kind of missed this part. Like, I didn't realize that they turned Indian until, like, a little bit later on when they, like, they talk about people, like, thinking that they're Indian. I hadn't actually realized it had happened. Whereas, obviously, if you were to see this in a visual medium, it would be, like, right in your face. You would realize what was happening and it would probably be more uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it's also just, like, it's uh, it's just kind of a tricky conversation topic because, obviously, if you read this book cover to cover, you would not think that these two children are, like, racist or that they, or that they're prejudiced. Like, you wouldn't even think that. You would just, like, that was clearly not the intent. But, as we know, or as people say, a lot of people who, you know, got caught doing blackface in college, like, they say that they weren't, they didn't mean to be racist, but, like, that's objectively really, really It doesn't bad. take it away, yeah. So it's it's just that I wanted to acknowledge it, because I am the white co-host of this show, that it definitely, again, I don't think that they were being at all prejudiced, but it could be. And, it, you know, that's one of the things that we talk, do on the show. So, therefore, this book is canceled. Don't read this one. <laughs> it's one of the things we do on this show. Just like Narnia. Don't read Narnia. Awful. Is that we read these books and how they differ in our perspective. And again, I'm not going to tell people they shouldn't read these books because I'm like, in book three, there's a potentially possibly brown face example. But I like, it is something that I'm aware of now that I am an adult that I was not aware of when I was a child. So good point. I think we can move on. Okay. We've talked about this for long enough. So the guru of this ashram, he's super sketchy. And I was like, I and I remember it. I was like, I know that he's gonna be important. I'm like, I'm almost positive he's running this cult. And like, 
I was right, but I, you know, like that was clearly my brain just remembering because it was like he walked in and I was like, oh no, he's a bad guy. And he was the bad guy. And we're going to quickly find out his connection to Nimrod, which I think we'll probably talk about a little later. Yeah. Well, this happens while the kids realize their last clue involved them climbing down the well of the fort. And they actually magically give Gronin a second arm so that he's able to hold the bucket for them. So, you know, there goes the disability representation and visibility. So in this book, we've got in brown face and no more disabilities. So I don't know. This might not be the book. Canceled. Cancel the book. But in the well, they find the talisman of the Cobra King, and they also find out that the guru is running the snake cult, and he is actually immune to snake venom because he has transfused some Jin blood into himself. And earlier in the book, we found out that Jin die from spider bites and, like, other, like, venomous bites, but they're immune to all snakes, except if, I think, like, they kind of say the only exception is if a Jin is, like, inhabiting a snake, which, how would you know that? So, I don't know. To me, that seems like, mm, how can you... Maybe just don't get bitten. Yeah, don't get bitten, because, like, how would you know it's a gin snake, like, or a gin inside of a snake versus just a normal snake? But, with this information, John decides to get himself, to let himself get bitten a bunch of times by a whole bunch of snakes to, like, try and, like, I don't know. I, I think he was, like, trying to prove that the guru guy was, like, a fraud. It was really confusing. Yes, that's exactly what he was doing. But either way, I'm sure Charles was just dying during this part. Because, I mean, even I was, like, it was just a little too graphic. Like, they were saying, like, the snakes were biting and that they were biting so hard that, like, one snake, he literally had to, like, break the fangs off because, like, it stayed in the skin. And, like, they were just biting so deeply, like, all over their body. So, like, even if it's not you're, like, immune to the venom. That's still just, like, a lot of puncture wounds, like, being stabbed a lot. It was so gross. It was truly horrible. I hated it. The guru was gross. The snakes were awful. Ugh, it was just awful. And so we find out that his master plan is to drain their blood and transfuse it into himself because then he could... He thinks he could become a djinn if he replaced all his blood with djinn blood. Well, I just wanted to say that I immediately knew that this wasn't going to work, and it was honestly the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Like, that literally makes no sense, especially in the sense of, I mean, I guess, is he immune to snakes because, like, his body was able to, like, replicate the blood that was transfused, I guess? Like, I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. Also, in the sense of, like, we know that you have to be born to be a djinn, like, it's passed down by the mother, so, like... If you could just steal gin blood and become a gin, like, I feel like somebody would have figured that out a long time ago. So, like, it just doesn't make For sense. Sure. Like, I feel like it has to do with your genes, like, not just your blood. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I was, like, and as we know, and this guru should know, too, gin are made of fire. They're made of literal fire. So you can't just, like, turn that on. Like, humans are made of water. Like... <laughs> Like <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work out. And then he literally catches on fire because gin blood runs hot. So I was, I don't know. I was just like, this is so silly. Like that. Also, this man is supposed to be a doctor. Like, well, clearly he's not the smartest doctor out there. Yeah. But so 
That essentially wraps up the Indian subcontinent story. So they all fly back west, and then we'll talk about what comes next. But first, we should just quickly cover Iblis. Yeah, so Iblis has really let himself go. And if you remember, he is the leader of the Ifrit, which is like the lead evil jinn tribe. And he escaped at the end of the last book from his from the bottle that he had been put in by John and Philippa. And so he's kind of like on the run now or like planning his revenge against them. Yes. And through for this book, he basically sent one of his human servants to go capture the twins. And the servant thinks that he succeeded because he finds this thermos, which Charles might need to help me out here because I also like forgot about this storyline because there was a thousand other things going on. So when we came back to it, I had very little memory of like the first mentioning. Okay. But I guess in this thermos, there's actually like two tigers in it. Like I still don't understand why he thinks that the twins are in there because it was found with Nimrod's things, yeah, right? Yeah, so Jin twins, but they've been inhibiting tigers, like inhabiting tigers or they would become like kind of fused they were jinn tigers but they were tight they were jinn like in the form of tigers and why does nimrod and have nimrod and mr rakshasha's bottled them because on their way to investigate the snake cult they're like asking for like information from someone and they're like you got to do us a favor first we have these tigers that are definitely jinn and they're like attacking us and if you can get rid of them we will give you the information you need. Oh, so, okay. And now I do And so that. Nimrod just bottles them up. That was way at the beginning. And has them in his hotel room, and Iblis' servant sneaks into their hotel room, sees a bottle that has clearly has two gin in it, and it says twins on it, and he's like, well, Nimrod can't know that many twins. There you go. And he just takes it back. It must be John and Philippa, you know, his... His niece and nephew that he just trapped in a bottle. Like, I was just like, the logic there didn't make any sense. Also, even if he didn't trap them, even if they were, like, in the bottle, it doesn't feel like the kind of thing you would label. Like, if you knew that this is your bottle that, like, you care, like, because the twins, like, they could have a bottle that they like to, you know, live in, you know, because they're gin. But, like, I don't feel like you would put on the outside twins. Like, I don't think Nimrod would need that reminder for himself. Yeah, it was just... A bit too obvious. But anyway, so the servant, he gives Iblis this thermos with the two, that actually has the two tigers that he thinks John and Philippa are in. And first of all, just the meeting of the servant and Iblis here was just probably the funniest scene of the whole book. Because so the, gross. Fir- the first thing is, is that the servant is thinking about how he's like says something about how he's so nervous to be around Iblis and I guess he has like a bunch of pet rats like he lives with rats and like they're on his bed which that's disgusting in and of itself but he was saying how like it made him so nervous to be with him that he just wanted to go to the bathroom and pee for several minutes I was like that's some serious nerves there. Like, I don't think I've ever felt that nervous that I'm like, I want to go to the bathroom and pee for several minutes. Do you know how long of a pee that is? I'm sorry. The average pee is like under 20 seconds. Several minutes? That's a long pee. Yeah, it's gross. Like, just, okay. So that's how he's feeling. And, of course, I was thinking, I was like, well, we already know that John and Philip are not in that bottle, so I'm like, he's going to wish that he just went to the bathroom instead of giving him this because this is not going to end well. But in reward for bringing the twins, what they think is the twins, Ablis is like, okay, I'll give you your three wishes. And, 
of course, the servant, which I think his name was like Thorlaginus or something. Yeah, or Orthologulus, something like that. I'm going to call him Thor because that's easy. So Thor, for his first wish is for $5 billion, I think. But he doesn't specify what currency. So Iblis gives him like Jamaican dollars, which he's like is only worth like 88 million, which is obviously still a lot of money. But so he has that. Then his second wish is like to be more attractive. And then Iblis is trying to be nice because he's like, do you mean more attractive like a magnet or do you mean? And he's like, no, I want to be more attractive to women. And then he like does it. And then he's like, well, I look exactly the same. And he's like, well, you'll have to find out, which I mean, because being more attractive would just mean that people are literally attracted to you. Not that your physical appearance changed, which is again, we're like the wish thing. Like you have to be really clear on what you're wishing. Yes. And then his final wish is that he wants to have a talent and Iblis is like, okay, well, what talent do you want? And he's like, okay, I'll, I want to be able to play the piano. Like, I want to be a really great pianist. And Iblis <laughs> tells Thor that if he would have picked playing the guitar, he would have had to kill him because he hates the guitar. Like, what a random fact. Like, he hates the guitar so much. And he's killed a plain load of people who played the guitar because he hates it that much. Like, what a random comment. Like, what was the author thinking? Like, they're like, you know what Iblis hates? People who play the guitar. Like, what a weird and random thing to give to this character. I don't know. I think it's incredible. But okay. So anyway, so he gives Thor the ability to be great at playing the piano. So then he's like, oh, there's a piano over there. Like, go play me a song now that you're talented. So he goes over to play the piano. And then Iblis is like, okay, well, let me open up this bottle now with the twins since I've captured them. And then out pops two giant tigers who immediately start mauling him, which I was like, yay, kill Iblis. (laughs) Solve all our problems. But, of course, that's not what happens because Thor, being the stupid coward he is, immediately jumps off the piano and, like, tries to escape. But, of course, that attracts the attention of one of the tigers. So, the tig- one of the tigers goes to chase Thor, and that gives Iblis enough time to, like, leave his body. Yeah. Like, his body gets... As a djinn. His body gets totaled, like, completely wrecked by the tigers. But now he's off. I mean, how did he not die? Like, he should have... That would have been great. Honestly, I, I would have started applauding at the end of the book if he would have been killed right then and there. And then we could have got a new villain. But, of course, he's here to stay. Unfortunately. So now, And now he's going to have a new permanent body. He's going to go find someone, kick out the person, take over their body. And, like, also, we're not going to recognize him next time he's around, I think. I don't know if that's going to be important. Yeah, so this is... Important, but... This is going to be a whole nother issue. Yeah. But now, at the end, we can kind of connect everything together because Dybbuk found out a family mystery in Kathmandu. Faustina, which is Dybbuk's sister, who's, like, been mentioned, like, a couple times in passing, and she's been missing, and Dybbuk's never met her. But at the beginning of this book, we get a prologue where this mystery young girl, Jin, possesses the prime minister, and... She, like, tries to get Iblis arrested, and we figure out that Faustina was this mystery djinn, and Nimrod, like, went to the prime minister, like, the people called him to, like, do kind of an exorcism, basically, and he got her to leave the prime minister's body, but when Nimrod found her body, she never returned her body, so at this point, which 
it's been, you know, like 12 years, like, because this happened like right when Divic was born and now, you know, they're all like 12 or I guess going on 13, who knows, but she's just been a free floating spirit since then. And I don't, did they say why she can't go back into her body? It was something about how the, the doctor transfused some of the blood into himself, but like, because her, like her blood was missing or something like that. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, okay, so if we're saying that the doctor... But, like, basically the connection is not there. Which the doctor, you know, was our bad guy at the end who, like, tried to turn into a djinn. He, I guess, took some of the blood from the prime minister when she was possessing him to, like, steal his first pint of djinn blood so he could turn into a djinn himself. So because she didn't have her full blood, I guess she wasn't able to get back in her body. I don't know if I buy that, but okay. But either way, so now she's been lost for 12 years, which is obviously awful, and, like, I can't even imagine how lonely that would be. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sad. And to compound that, the reason she did this, and Dybbuk has just found this out, is that he's half Ifrit because Iblis was inhabiting his dad when his mom got pregnant, which is why Faustina was so mad at Iblis, and... So Dybbuk is actually half Ifrit and half married. He's half good and half evil. And Okay, I'm sorry, but isn't that like rape? Like yes. or was that the like that is all I was thinking. I was like he was literally inhabiting her husband's body and having sex with her and she didn't know. Red flag, red flag, red flag. I mean, he is evil. Like, that is literally the point of Iblis, is to be the most evil. But isn't this a children's book? Well, as you noticed, <laughs> they didn't call it rape during the children's book. Well, also, nobody pointed it out. Like, I guess, like, they said, like, Faustina was angry. But I was like, angry? Is his mom okay? Like, does she know that that happened? Yeah, she knows. Like, the trauma? Well, yeah, as we see, Dybbuk is messed up over it. Well, and also, well, wait, also they say that that's why they're not together anymore, which, like, that doesn't make any sense. I guess, well, because the husband isn't Jin. He's not a Jin. So maybe he was like, I have to get away from this. This is crazy. That's probably what it was. Yeah. And then Nimrod at the end seems to insinuate that, like, Faustina could become the blue Jin if he can find her instead of Layla. Which is how we leave it. So now, for me, I'm like, anybody could have been the Blue Jin instead of Layla. Like, it doesn't have to be Faustina. It doesn't have to be this 12... Well, she's not 12 anymore. She's not 12 anymore. Like, she's, like, 24. But, like, it doesn't have to be her. Unless the fact that she's a ghost, like, will make it easier, I guess. Maybe, like, if that's the case. But I'm like, maybe she doesn't want to be the Blue Jin. Like, being the Blue Jin Well, maybe, sucks. like, by being the Blue Jin, since you have all the power, like, she could literally make herself a new body... Or by being the blue djinn, she could re-enter her own body. So it would be, like, a way for her to, like, come back to life, essentially, and not be a ghost anymore. Yeah. So, and if one of those solutions works out, then I'll be very happy because, but I'm like, right now, making a 24-year-old become the blue djinn so that your sister doesn't have to isn't that much better. But if there's, if there's, like, an added benefit that being the blue djinn gives her, then that's different. And that's kind of it. Did you... So you know how when we were talking about the first book and Layla Gaunt made that joke about wearing the wisdom teeth on her bracelet, as her bracelet, and how in the first book they learned that using any part of a djinn, but particularly their wisdom teeth, makes a really good binding on them? 
I told you it was going to pay off. And here it is. This whole book was themed around that. So their mom was saying that she wanted to put a binding on her children? No, but she didn't want anyone else to put a binding on them, which is why she wants to keep the wisdom teeth. It's still gross. That's nasty. I don't know. That's disgusting. Well, also, I'm like, the easy solution is just destroy the wisdom teeth. But I feel like it's, like, important. Also, maybe they can't be destroyed. Maybe it's, like, vibranium. I don't know. (laughs) Vibranium, unobtainium. (laughs) Unobtainium. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I I don't know. I It's the Tesseract. I'm definitely enjoying the series. It's just, like, there's a lot happening. Like, there's a lot to follow. Like, we just went over. That was, like, five different storylines. And, like, I guess they're all connected, but. Yeah, there's a lot going on. But I'm definitely interested interested to see also because how they're saying, like, Faustina is a ghost. Like, how she's just a spirit. So does that mean that, like, Jin can see ghosts or, like, just, like, Jin ghosts? Like, I wonder how that's going to be explored. I can't remember, but I'll probably know as we kind of go along during the next book because this book kind of I remembered more as we went. But I'm excited, and I think you're going to like Faustina. Like, I think you'll like her as a character. Well, we'll see. I'm trying to think. Who did I say my favorite character was before? Gronin? Probably. I still like Gronin. Gronin's kind of funny, minus the baby food stuff. That's nasty. I think Layla is my favorite character. She's freaking savage. Yeah, I guess. But, like, we haven't really gotten actually that much with her. I feel like we got, we got, we got a lot of John, Philippa, and Dybbuk. And, like, Dybbuk's just, like, the worst. Oh. I do remember Dybbuk is going to get worse still, so. Even though I think I like when he speaks because when I've been listening to the audiobook of some of these books, and when the guy who reads it does Dybbuk's voice, his voice is, like, funny. So, like, I enjoy hearing him speak, but. It's kind of, I think, in like a, I'm making fun of him. So I don't know if that's positive. Well, Dybbuk is going to get even worse. So yay. Look forward to that. There we go. Finish it up. So next week, we will be reading the fourth book, The Day of the Jinn Warriors. So if you're going to read along with us, you can just finish the book. And then we will be over halfway done with this series. Um, any guesses on which country they're going to? Because I know which one. I'm not going to say it. I mean, I feel like they always go to warm... They've only gone to, like, warm countries. Yeah, that's true. Right. I mean, it's mainly, like, because they went to, what, India in the last book? They were in Iraq. And Egypt. They've been kind of, like, in, like, the Middle East area. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been, like, the Middle East. So, I mean, if they're going to go somewhere else warm, like, maybe somewhere else in Africa or, like... I guess maybe maybe they could go to, like, an island, like... I'm not going to tell you. I know tropical. where they're going. Or South America, maybe. I'm trying to think of things that are, like, hot. She's wrong. South America is book five. But anyway, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, okay. So maybe they're going to go to Mexico. That's North America still. Somewhere not as far. I'm not going to. But I feel like it's always, like, it's always in, like, like the Europe, Asia, because that's where Nimrod, since Nimrod's in London, like, I feel like they go over there. Also. But I guess now Nimrod's going to be with them. Also, more than anything, they're going to places that have early history of civilization like if you remember like sixth seventh grade like humanities when you learn about like early river societies like mesopotamia yeah well mesopotamia is iraq like and egypt is- okay so then they're like the middle east and then they go to like they'll go to like latin america right well, i just said they're gonna do that in the fifth book anyway i'm not i'm not gonna spoil anymore but 
like the theme, I mean, yes, it's warm countries, but more than anything, it's early societies like near rivers. Well, early societies and all early and most of the early societies grew up around rivers. Or by rivers because you needed yes. water. Okay. <laughs> you know, like how you learn about like the Indus River Valley and like Mesopotamia between the Tigris and the Euphrates and like the Suez Canal, like and and runs, you know, like how you learned about societies. Like, I love how Charles is just like naming all these things off. Please let us know if you remember the names of all like early civilizations because as he's saying them, they do sound familiar, but there's no way I could have just pulled that out of my head from somewhere. I'm sure you could have. You're selling yourself short. No. I mean, I pulled out Mesopotamia. I'm pretty proud of that. I remember that. That's <laughs> literally it. I remembered the rivers though, so who's the real winner here? All I remember, only river I can think of is, like, the Nile River in Egypt. Like, that's it. I couldn't tell you any other river. Yeah. Well, anyway, if you want to talk about early societies, let us know. If you have predictions, theories, questions, comments, you know the drill, email us on the Nerd Party website. Go to nerdparty.com slash contact, select our icon. That'll send us an email. You can also get in touch with our network at large on Twitter at Join Nerd Party or Instagram at The Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash The Nerd Party. And find me, I'm at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm at Asia Boney on TikTok and Asia.boney on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on The Nerd Party Network, but make sure you're subscribed to us so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe button. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.